Amen. Enough said. I, I dealt with this a few weeks back, and I dealt with it quite a number of times when I was in uh, uh, teaching on, Ma- on Matthew 24, and rightfully so, I've been dealing with heaven and the inward man, and you, you know, and uh, this goes right along with, with heaven that we dealt with for a number of weeks. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And I really want to break down what God has shown me here. I see something just powerful. And I've spoken it a number of times, but I want to convey it in a, in a way that we all can partake of it. Feast on it. My words. This just jumped off at me like lightning. My words shall not pass away. What does he mean? Heaven and earth shall pass away. And we dealt with that. And I don't want to go over everything we dealt with, but putting it back into a frame of mind, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So, so in just to catch our minds back into that, the throne of God, a throne is an administration, a dominion, yeah. a kingdom. So when you deal with a throne, you're always dealing with a kingdom and what's subject to the kingdom. Always. Because what, what, what good would there be to be a king and have no kingdom? Have no one under the authority? be no good, would it? You just have a king. So, so when Jesus says heaven and earth shall pass away, and there's a lot of Scripture, and I don't know that I'll get to it today, but we will in the coming days, there's a lot of Scripture in the Old, Old Testament talking about the heavens being changed yeah. and, and, and being rolled up as a vesture, being a, a, so on and so forth. There's a, a number of Scripture... And, and just, just to lay this out here, maybe we'll read some of it toward the end. Maybe we won't because there's some real specific things I want to get to, but just to lay this out. In one place, God talks about heaven being as brass. Yeah. All right, That doesn't mean the literal heaven out here became brass. In another place, He talks about the hills dropping down dew or, or dropping down honey. I forget it's in Joel, but I think it's dropping down dew. Well, the hills, he wasn't literally saying, that wasn't literal. See, see, but our minds read this in Matthew 24 and we want to go and make it literal. Right? We want to see it as a literal thing. And so the, the heaven passing, I believe, has to do with the administration. That the administration of the old passed away. Right? And what He put in force was His words. I, 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 this to me, when you go to Exodus, flip back to Exodus, now I have to find the chapter and verse. But in the book of Exodus, I believe where I want is 24 or 25. So... We will find it. 
So in, in the book of Exodus is the story of Moses and the children of Israel and their journey from Egypt unto the promised land, which we all should know, right? So we come to the Mount Sinai, and at Mount Sinai, Exodus, you know, Moses is going up into the mount to receive the word of the Lord and to give it to be the mediator between Israel and God. And that's what, you know, if you go back and you read, you'll see that Moses was their, their mediator and he was mediating a covenant, a covenant word. See, a covenant was an agreement of a word. And so God gave them a word. And He set that in place in Jerusalem. Did He not? It was a word set in place. And the children of Israel had to obey the word that God set in place. That to me was the dominion of the throne. Was that word. So Exodus 24 in Verse 3, it says, Exodus 24, 3, And Moses came and told the people all the words of Jehovah and all the ordinances. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which Jehovah has spoken will we do. Now notice Jesus, what Jesus said. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not. So, so Moses comes down as the, media, as the mediator, or, and he has the words of the Lord, and he, and he speaks to them, and the children of say, all these words will do. And Moses wrote all the words of Jehovah, and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the mount, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto Jehovah. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant, and he read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that Jehovah has spoken will we do and be obedient. And he took the blood. How would you like to be standing there? And he takes the blood of calves and goats and ox. I guess it's ox here. But he takes the blood of ox, and who's he sprinkled on? The people. So, so, and what, what was that? And he says, Behold, the blood of the covenant which Jehovah had made with you concerning all these words. So, so they, were co- they were in covenant, Israel was, and that's what they said. Everything you say we're going to do. Yeah. Right. And, and, re- and you go back and read Exodus through what, Deuteronomy. You'll find they couldn't keep them. Right. And, he, and, and even though they're standing there saying, hey, we're going to do everything you said. Yeah. Well, Moses goes up to get the, the stones. They're building golden caps. So here's that first covenant. That's what passed away. Everything regarding that, and Jesus set forth His words. And if God's people would get a hold of this, man, it would liberate you because Jesus said, 
This is the blood of the covenant when he was when he's breaking the bread with them on on the uh, uh, what what do we call it the the Passover but we call it the Last Supper it's the, actually the Passover but we've called it the Last Supper he breaks the bread and he passes the cup and he tells them that this is the blood I am joining you to so you're not joined to the blood of bulls and goats. That's the first part that you know we really need to hear that passed away. Yeah. The blood of bulls and goats. Yes, sir. It's gone. It does, it's not here. And see, God's people try to keep both. I don't I don't know that we understand that. We try to live as if we're under the Mosaic Covenant, the agreement. A covenant's an agreement. Yes, sir. And see, the, the power of the covenant of Jesus is He died, and He sealed the covenant in His own blood, and He's also the mediator yes, of the new covenant. So He also raised up from the dead and mediates His own covenant. He is the administrator of His own will. Do we understand that? Like in the, in the natural, Bob has a will, so to speak, or we have a will. I have a will. I, I, I actually don't right now, but I should. But we, we have wills, right? And in that will is an inheritance. So, so in God's agreement is an inheritance with you. So God made an agreement at the cross with you. He joined you to the covenant in the blood of Christ. Now in the Old Testament, you can find the words of that covenant very easy, can't you? You can go right there and dig them out and find them. Now let's flip over to the New Covenant and find out how easy it is to find the words of the covenant. My Lord and my God. It's not quite as transparent. And what the Lord really showed me was the words, was what Jesus said. He sealed what He said in His own blood. Let, let, me, let me make try to make this plain. In the Old Covenant, they came to God through an offering of a lamb, goat, bull. Right? So they would come to God and they would offer based on whatever sin or whatever error they made according to that first covenant, they would make an offering according to that. And they would come to God according to that. That's how they participated with the Lord, was with that. Now, how in the New Covenant do we come to the Lord? So Jesus come down walking, and you've got to really think what's going on here. He comes walking through Jerusalem and through the cities of, of, of Judah. And He says, Whosoever believeth on Me. Right. Now, He's in right opposition of everything they've Believed up to this point, right? Because up to this point, 
their approach to God was the high priest, the old covenant temple, and the old covenant law. Now here's a man on the scene saying, Hey, he that believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living life. See, that's the new covenant. That's part of it. Is that, that through faith in Christ, you're going to receive the Spirit of God. That's what he was sealing. So what he was saying, he was putting in force. And, and you know, when he says that they, in John 17, that they may be one even as we are one, I am them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one. He put that in force. That's the covenant. That you'll be one with God. And that's what the Apostle Paul was writing in his letters. I, I saw this a few weeks ago, Brother Benny, and I, and I just I just jumped that Paul is expounding on what Jesus said. That, that it's not, you know, Jesus said they may be one, and then you read Paul's epistles, and over and over and over again, he is saying that we are one. One body, one church, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, you go on and on. Well, that's what Jesus said. That's what was put in force. That's the covenant. You're in covenant with God. This is your agreement. This is what He did. He made a new agreement. And this agreement was, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He put that in force. See, that was not in force under the old. Even though that was written, what is Joel? That wasn't in force until he died. And when he died, that first went away. When he rose up, he became the administrator or the minister of the new. And see, see, there's a mixture in the church where we try to take it back and, and go back under the law. But see, we can't because a new one came into force. New word. Flip over. To Isaiah 2, I ministered here for months. May should have ministered here for years. Isaiah 2. He says, The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw. How, how do you see a word? Uh, by the Spirit. Not just a written word. It wasn't just a word hanging up in the sky that he saw. But he saw by the Spirit. Anyway, he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He says, And it shall come to pass in the latter days. When Jesus came on the scene, do you think it was the latter days of Jerusalem? When He came on the scene, I believe the latter days of Judah and Jerusalem were present when He come, when he come born of a virgin and made under the law, made in the likeness of men to redeem them that were under the law. That was the latter days. It shall come to pass in the latter days of Judah and Jerusalem. See, see, people read this and they go, oh, the latter days out here somewhere. No, no, no. He said, Saul, concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Yes, sir. So, he, so he's speaking of Judah and Jerusalem, and it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain 
of Jehovah's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. Why does he say on the top of the mountains? Well, you have to go study your Scripture. Because the Jews were running around worshiping God on every mountain. They were worshiping under every green tree, it said in places, right? So, so he's going to establish on the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above all those hills, all those places of worship. It's going to be exalted above them all. And all nations, not just the Jews anymore, but all nations are going to flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of Jehovah, to the house of the God of Jacob, and He will teach us His ways and we will walk in His path, for out of Zion shall go forth the law. You've got to hear this, folks. A new law. The law, never, the law of Moses came out of Sinai. Yes, sir. Now here He says, out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the Word of the, of the Lord, the Word of Jehovah from Jerusalem. Yes, and He will judge between the nations and will decide concerning many peoples, and they shall beat their swords in the plowshares and their spears and the pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of Jehovah, or the light of the Lord. So, so here we go that Jehovah's house shall be established. Now how is it going to be established? Well, you have to read again. You have to read the prophets. Isaiah 28. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a tried stone, a sure cornerstone. He that believeth on Him. See, here you go. He that what? Believeth on the cornerstone. Shall not make haste. What Jesus say? He that believeth on Me. What Isaiah say? He that believeth on Him. He that believeth on Me. He that believeth on Him. See, that was what was coming out of Zion. God was laying a stone. A true stone of the true house. Glory to God. In Zion, the high place of God. Glory to God. And He was laying it that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not who offers oxen. Not who does all the works of the law of Moses, but who calls on His name. Because that's what Jesus put in force. A new covenant. A new agreement. And it's going to supersede all the mountains, supersede all the places of worship. It's going to be exalted above all the hills. So, So where did all this come from? Well, you go back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, you may have to help me here, Bob. I know I've got it in my... Notes here somewhere. Deuteronomy 18. That's where I went to go, and I and I started questioning myself. So sometimes I don't need to question myself. Deuteronomy 18. 18:15. This to me is just just powerful. Deuteronomy 18:15 says. Jehovah, or the Lord, King James says, The Lord, thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him shall you hearken. It will be like unto me, 
Hebrews tells you that He come in the seed of Abraham. So He was like unto Moses, the seed of Abraham. So He come in the seed of Abraham. And He says, Him you hearken to. You shall hearken according to all that thou desirest of Jehovah thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of Jehovah my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. And Jehovah said unto me, They have well said that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, and I will put my words. Whose words is going in his mouth? My words in his mouth. And he shall speak unto them all that I command him. So what Jesus said was all that God had commanded him. So everything he said was fulfilling right here in, in Deuteronomy. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Amen. So what, what's the requirement? To hear His words. To believe on Him that God has sent. To, to believe on Him. See, see, this was that Word that was coming. And when Jesus comes on the scene and He starts declaring the Word, even when He said, hey, I must be about my Father's business. See, He had to set forth the words of the covenant. He had to speak them. See, see, flip over to John 14. So I see this and I just want to run on and preach. John 14. 10. I saw this a few years ago and uh, just... It was like, my Lord, even Jesus was preaching God in you. He says in John 14, 10, he says, Believe thou not that I am in the Father? What did he tell him to believe? I am in the Father? What? I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? Most of the church world have believed Jesus was down here on the earth, and the Father was way, way, way in the sky. And Jesus was down here doing the works. He told him, he said, Believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. That's what he said, to believe. And he says to him, Or else believe me for the very... Well, i got to hear myself. And the Father me, the words that I say unto you, I speak not for myself, but the Father abideth in me, doeth his works. So he was saying his words were the words of God. Yes, sir. Just what, what Moses declared. A, a law is going to come from Zion. A new law. And see, 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 the law to the kingdom of God is the law of faith, Paul says in Romans 10. And flip over to Romans 10 because we come to a law of faith or a word of faith. Start at verse 4. 
Because I love verse 4. Don't really, I may not need verse 4 here, but I love verse 4. You need it. But Christ, for Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness to everyone that what? Believes. So if I believe unto Him, He's the end of the law for righteousness. I believe unto Him. Okay? Now come on down, verse 5. For Moses writeth that the man that doeth the righteousness which is of the law shall live thereby. And that's one of the most frustrating things you ever do is you become a Christian. And I've done this. And then somebody starts telling you how to live out of the law. And you get real frustrated. Because you can't... Right. And you go, you go back there and you start measuring your righteousness according to the law. He says Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for those that believe. So he says, do I believe that? So the issue is, do I believe that? Amen. But yes. for Moses writes that the man that doeth the righteousness which is the law shall live thereby, but the righteousness which is of faith saith. Thus. What does the righteousness of faith say? Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Or who shall descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. See, here's the law of faith. Another place it says law of faith. Find that verse for me, the law of faith. But here it is. What's the law of faith? It's the word of faith which we preach, because if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and shalt believe, where do you believe that? In your heart, in your inner man, that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. This is the law of faith. This is the law from Zion. That if you confess Jesus as the Lord, you believe that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. How do you get righteous? With the heart you believe unto Him for righteousness. You believe unto Him with the heart, with your inner man. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, she brings it to the Scripture, whosoever believeth on Him shall not be put to shame. And I quoted that a while ago. Isaiah 28. Whosoever believeth on Him, He's going to lay in Zion as cornerstone. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord over all and is rich unto all that call unto Him. We need to tell the church there's no difference in the Jew or Greek. Amen. What Paul said? Just read of what Paul said. There's no distinction between the Jew or the Greek. The same Lord is rich unto who? All that do what? Call unto Him. That's who He's rich to. All that call. So if you want God to be rich unto you, what do you need to do? Call unto Him. So if I don't call unto Him, I guess He's not going to be rich to me. So if I want Him to be rich to me, I just call Him. That's how close He is. I call on Him. He's that close. And now He's that rich to me. 
my Facebook and I, I'm going I'm to take it from him, Brother uh, Jamie Engelhart, about the open heaven. When Jesus raised up out of the water, Jordan, the heavens was open. And a dove lit up on him. He saw the Holy Ghost as a dove lighting up on him. And Brother Jamie said, Do you read anywhere where the heavens were closed again? Uh-huh. Coming to an open heaven. See, now the Word is now the in thy heart and thy mouth. The Word they said, I just call on the Lord and He's there. Amen. I don't have to go into heaven to bring now. I don't have to go into the mist to bring him up. I just call on the name of Jesus and he's right here. Glory to God. A present reality of God. That's a new covenant. That he'll be rich unto them. How can he be rich to you if he's 10,000 miles away? See, he'll be rich to all those that call on him. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Even it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings. You ever define the word gospel before? Good news. Good news. Do you, 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 you get a hold of this? We grew up, a lot of us, in full gospel. What we call full gospel? It was everything but good news. Gospel means good news. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean God's going to beat you over the head with a stick. It means He secured you. It's good news. You're not under the law. You're under the saving grace of Jesus. That's good news. That is really, really good news if we can hear it. That's good news. That's what what came was good news. That you might be one. That's good news. Is Is it not good news? That you might be one even as I am in the Father, you are in me, that you may be made one in us. That's pretty good news that I might be one with God. Yes, sir. See, that's the covenant you're in. So if you're accepting something less than that, you're not believing into the new covenant. Do not let someone steal the truth from you. What I'm afraid goes on is we is we see we hear something like this and and, and we we want to draw back because People are going to come almost immediately and say, well, I, I'm, I don't believe that. Oh, yeah. I, I know Jesus is in my heart, but... I'm waiting. Do you, do you really know He's in your heart? Is the question, do you really... Have you really come to know that He dwells in you? See... See, this is the cup. This is what he sealed. So he put it in force by his own blood. Amen. Sealed it. Sealed it. So now, here we here we are in a relationship with the Lord that 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 we can walk in everything He said. I walk in whatever Jesus said. Why? Because he said so. Because he's God. <laughs> he said it. 
So I can walk in. I had no power before to do it. I was just living by my own energy. Yeah. And in myself, I couldn't do nothing. Just find frustration. But now, Paul gets hold of this. He says, now, I can do all things. I knew all things through Christ that strengthened me. How can he do all things? By going back and managing himself by the law or coming on in grace and knowing the Lord through the Word. Amen. No, coming on in grace and knowing the Lord through the Word. See, see that, that, that's what grace does. Grace, grace has been mixed up with He just forgave my sins. That's part of grace. Thank God for that part of grace. Thank God. Because God knows we all need our sins forgiven. We all need, need a measurement of the Lord for even those things we still do that are, that are not pleasing to the Lord. Right. Thank God for His grace. But grace is saving grace. We're saved by His life. I, 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 I don't know that people hear that they read, by grace we are saved in Ephesians 2. Right? How are you saved? His life. Yeah. Romans says you are saved by His life, so that saving grace is His life. Yes, sir. So now His life delivers you from what you were. Amen. See, saved means deliverance. But Stanley hit on it, and I was going to bring that up this morning in the book of Acts. And Brother Stanley got up and brought it up. And in the book of Acts, when the man at the gate of beautiful had been healed, afterwards, Peter told him there's no other name that can be given whereby man can be saved. And I know we associate that with being born again. But what Peter was talking about right there was that man at the gate of beautiful that had been healed, that had been crippled from his mother's womb, and he was at the gate having been crippled from his mother's womb. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. So it delivered him from his crippling. Yes. Yes. His name. Yes. Faith in his name has made this man whole. Amen. Spirit, soul, and body. Not just spirit, not just your soul, but and body. So Jesus, when Jesus said these words, that they're so they're so much more powerful to me than they've ever been because I started realizing these are the words of covenant. John seventeen brings so much power and clarity. Flip over to John seventeen, around verse twenty. He says in verse 20, he says, Neither pray I for these alone. And this is so much so powerful. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also that believe on me. How do they believe on him? Through their word. Yeah. Now stop here for a minute. Neither pray I for these that are there with him, but I pray for those that 
believe on me through their work. Well, if I come back down, keep your place there. I come back down to verse 8. He says, For the words which thou gavest me, Jesus is praying to the Father. He says, The words thou gavest me, I've given them. And they received them and knew of a truth that I came forth from thee and they believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for those whom thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all things are mine and are, all things of mine are thine and all of thine are mine and I am glorified in them. So he's saying, the words I've given, my God. I've given to these. Come on now. Yeah, let it flow. I've given to these. I've given you my words. And I'm not just praying for you, Peter. I'm sure Peter was there. Huh? You know, the disciples there. I pray for all that believe on me through the Word. Yeah. See, through the Word that I've given, I'm praying that they all come into this great union that they shall know that I'm in the Father, I'm in you, and you're in me. Yes. That they may be one as we are one, I am them, thou me, that they may be made perfect in one. And I've given them my glory. And because I'm saying they may behold me where I'm at, where I am, they shall see me. But, but I want to flip back here to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Let's see if I'm right. It may be 58, but if it is, we'll go back. No, I'm right. Shouldn't doubt myself, Shaq, yet. It says in verse 20, And a Redeemer shall come to Zion. And I've said this before here. Is there another Redeemer besides Jesus? No. No. So a Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith Jehovah. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith Jehovah. He tells us right here, here's his covenant. He says he's going to give them a, a new word. In Jeremiah, he's going to put this word in them, in their heart and in their mind. So it's not just going to be written up on stones, it's going to be in them, in their heart and their mind. And then Romans 10 says, the word is now that we're at. In thy mouth, the word of faith. So he's going to put this word in her heart and her mind. And he says, And as for me, this is my covenant with them, said Jehovah, my spirit that is upon thee. So my covenant is my spirit that is upon thee. Who did he pour the spirit out without measure? Jesus. Right? So, so now his spirit's upon him and my words which I have put in thy mouth. What? My words that I have put in thy mouth. This is my covenant. My words that I put in thy mouth. So people are trying to figure out what, what is his covenant. The words he put in his mouth. And he says, It shall not depart out of your mouth. Now get a hold of this next part. Nor out of the mouth of thy seed. Well, Jesus never had any natural children, did he? But in Isaiah 53, he says, He shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days. Now 
are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So this word is in his mouth and you become the seed by believing on him. So the first part of this seed was those disciples that were following Jesus right then and there. There's your first part. And that even fulfills that He'll keep a part of Jerusalem. Back by the prophets, because every one of those first believers were what? Were they not Jewish? Absolutely. Go back and read your Bible. They were, they were of Judah. They were of Jerusalem. They were Jewish. They were Israelites that had first believed the Gospel. So now that now, but being a Jew, Paul understood that make them the seed of God. It's because they had received the seed of God into their heart and become a new creation. And he says that the word is is unto thy seed and unto thy and nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed. So so when Peter went and preached to Cornelius, and Cornelius and his house became believers. Now that word moved from him out to others. That's that's how it works. So the word is in you. The word of faith that we preach. All this is the word of faith. That they may be one even as we are one for the word of faith. I and them. Why? Because He spoke that forth by faith. You didn't come through there by your efforts. You come through there by His work. So you're living out of faith in Christ Jesus. His finished work. So even what we believe in has substance. Because we're believing in what He's done. That's why I'm saying... That all the promises are yea and amen, and I can do all things. See, see, a new mind's getting ready to take place in the body of Christ. That you're more than able to take this mountain. That mind is getting ready to set in God's people, and God's people that are hearing it are going to walk in that place. I'm telling you, yes, they're going to walk in the reality of what the Word said. Yes, sir. To where it's going to be a living. That's what Paul said. You're a living epistle. If I'm a living epistle, and I'm always going to believe in the written words, so don't hear me wrong when I say this, but when I'm, if I'm a living epistle of Christ, I don't just have to go back and pick my Bible and say, well, the Bible said. It's because it's alive in me. The Word is alive in me. And I live now by this Word that He said. Yes, sir. And it's so powerful. Why, why is it so weak? Because He said it. Oh, yes. Because the same God that said, let there be light, and there come light out of the sky, is the same God that said, he that believeth on me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So, that's why. I did a study one time, and I got into the name El, in the El Shaddai, and I looked at that, and it was, it was in what I began, and I, there's probably way more meaning in it than what I'm going to share with you, but he said it, and it is, he's the all-powerful. He said it. And when he says it, guess what? You can count on it. You can bank on it. It's real. It's true. It is. It comes into existence because he said it. So he said it, 
And not only in Christ did He say it, He put it forth. He created it. He moved it. He changed it. He Himself did it. And now we're living out of what He did. We're living out of what He did. That's the power of our salvation. That's the covenant we're in. Is we're living out of what He did. We're not living out of our works. So as we come and grow up in Him in all things, see, we'll walk righteously, not because just because the law tells us to do this or to do that. We'll walk because He's our life. He's our life. Well, well, if He's our life, He's not. He's not going to do something against His own nature, is He? No. No. So if He transforms my mind to think like He does, because my issue is in me, right? Most of our issues were that. They're in us. They're in our hearts. They're in our minds. They're in our desires. In our thoughts. Well, if He transforms me, guess what? They go away. Why? Have a new right, that's it, because I come to Him. Uh-huh. See, right. see, I, I want to quote this. I'm, I'm going to come to the end here. I'm trying not to be as long as I have been in the past, but I want to quote this, and if I read it, I'll go on and on. But the one Scripture says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Yeah, right. And that word dwell there, I said this a few weeks ago, means a residence, like his address. I looked it up as like as like meaning they're from Galilee or from Jerusalem or from Culpeper. That Christ may reside, have his residence, means permanent dwellings. If you look it up. So His permanent dwelling is in your hearts. Permanent. So, so if you want to get bold, you can say, I'm, I'm dwelling with the Lord. You want to know God's address? He lives in me. He's not a man on the sky. He lives in me. He may, he may fill the heaven and earth, but He's in me. I'm the one He desires to dwell in. But he didn't desire me to dwell. He didn't desire to dwell in me as an old man. He didn't desire to dwell in me in the mind of flesh, in the carnality of Adam. He desired to dwell in me with his mind, with his nature, with his character. He wants to be in you. He wants to dwell in you. He wanted from the time he made the man to be in him. That was his goal. So if God had that goal, do you think he's not going to get it? He's God. He's going to get a people that He dwells in. That's how close He is that His residence. His residence is you, Waverly. The residence of the Lord. You just put that over, over your doorpost. Made His home. Amen. My Lord and my God. Glory to God. See, that's the reality we can walk in and live in as a body of people, as a corporate expression of Christ. And as that corporate expression, we can help those that are outside or even even that are inside and don't see and don't have understanding. We can begin to feed them. Yes, sir. We can give them 
life. Amen. See, see that's, I, I said this so often, that's our jobs. You, 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 you come to good works. I don't have all this down. The Lord was dealing with me about the good works yesterday, and I've just started looking at it a little bit. It, it, it more in my in my mind than anywhere else. I wrote down some things in notes, but I started thinking on it, which would be better than looking at it. I say looking sometimes, but I'm saying considering it. Because I'm looking at it internally. And good works are His works. See, what you bring people into is His works. Into the new creation man in Christ. Amen. You bring them to the reality of that because He's able to hold you. See, He's able to make you secure. So that's what you want to be ever since you've been a Christian, to be secure. Amen. Every one of us sitting here today have wanted to be secure. Have we not? Amen. Not in one minute and out the next. Not in one minute without and out the next. The problem is we try to do that ourselves. Now, we have a part. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you just sit back and Jesus does it and you do nothing. That's not so. But it's but you're coming to know His yeah, work. Yeah. You're coming to know Him. Yes. Oh, and it's yeah. the knowing of Him that brings you into that place of security. Yeah. Where you're secure. Where you're set. Where you're stable. And it doesn't have to be when you die physically. Some future time. It's knowing Him. Now. now. And see, see to me, this, this, this word that He spoke, see, this word never goes away. What He said, see, that old went away. That old at the cross was done. That old house went away. That old high priest went away. But we have a continual priesthood, an everlasting priesthood. And, and the writer says there, so if there's a new priest, there had to be a new law. Again, in Hebrews, I think Hebrews 7, it references, and see, I'm closing my computer. So see? So it references something new. A new priesthood, a new order, a new law. And so this new priesthood is... All the, the priesthood by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we're ministering bread and wine. We're ministering word and spirit. Yes, sir. That's what we're ministering. We're, yes, we're, we're breaking the bread as a ministry of the Lord, as a priesthood of the Lord. And He's the high priest. And His whole, and He calls us a Holy priesthood. Oh, there you Because we're breaking bread and life. We're coming to people with word and spirit. He made us a part. See, he made us a part. He didn't just do it. He made us a part. You can turn it off, Dave, but that's... That's what he wants you to see. You 